Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Ridiculous, What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week two of the college football season. Uh, it's just going to be me this week. I, I was hoping to have a guest to preview the big Texas LSU game coming up this weekend. Unfortunately, a, a labor dispute uh, within the industry uh, here in the media world has prevented that from happening, but hopefully, uh, hopefully that gets sorted out uh, in the near future and then maybe we can have that guest on later in the year. I, I got to tell you, though, I am trying my best uh, to put together a good show for you guys. Once that guest canceled, I immediately reached out to the dancer uh, for Louisville that was hit in the face by uh, an errant Ian Book pass. Uh, she broke her nose and sort of has become internet famous uh, in the meantime, but apparently uh, she's become too famous to uh, to join the Scoop and Score podcast, so I was not able to secure that guest either. So it's uh, it's just me. Uh, speaking of that that Ian Book, Aaron Pass, I'm not going to get into Notre Dame this week. Uh, I'll just you know I'll keep it really brief. I'll it's it's good to win by 18 on the road. Uh, I think everyone saw the flaws there, and uh, after uh, in in two weeks after they play New Mexico, we'll have another. Uh, game worth of sample size, and I'll certainly talk a lot about the Irish heading into that uh, that Georgia game. Now, in in thinking back on Week One, there wasn't a whole lot in terms of significant outcomes uh, for the season overall. But even in a week where where there were no big time uh, upsets or anything like that on the field. It's just, there's so much to talk about, and this, trying to do this podcast in, in one weekly, you know, 45-minute show is a really daunting task. Um, I guess might as well start with the most meaningful uh, actual game, which was Auburn uh, beating Oregon 27-21, to and uh, true freshman Bo Nix there led a touchdown drive. Uh, for Auburn. Auburn scored 21 unanswered in this game. Uh, they were down 21-6 to before scoring three straight touchdowns to win 27-21, and that was a bit... Uh, that, that capped a series of blown leads uh, throughout the weekend, and I'll, I'll get into some of those coming up here in a second. Um, Auburn winning that game by six, not, not kicking a field goal there, and instead scoring a touchdown in the last seconds. Scoobman scores only loss of the week in terms of our picks uh, going two and one on uh, on the betting lines we provided. Uh, another game that involved a blown lead with with big unanswered points at the end. Going back to Friday night, Nevada beats Purdue 34 to 31. They scored 20 unanswered, capped off by a uh, a true freshman walk on kicker, although walk on no more awarded a scholarship after the game, Brandon Tolton blasting a 56-yard field goal that would have been good from probably 65. And I just, you got to remind coaches, um, coming in to kick this field goal, they had just run a play, uh, I think, you know, a third down play. The kicking team was running onto the field. They were disorganized. There was no chance he was going to make this kick. Uh, Brian Brom, or sorry, Jeff Brom, 
for for Purdue uh, calls timeout to ice the kicker. Really, it just kind of let everyone get set, and the kicker went ahead and, and did a practice kick. Showed he clearly had the leg, uh, but did push it to the right, and then once he was able to reset himself, uh, drilled it for the win. Uh, the third... The third big blown lead uh, was was noon on Saturday, a game that was supposed to take place Saturday night in Jacksonville. Instead, was moved to noon in Tallahassee in Florida State's uh, home stadium. Boise State beat Florida State 36-31, scoring 23 unanswered. And this was a, a weird situation where in the second half, Florida State just looked completely exhausted. You would think that they were the one coming from Idaho uh, and, and not used to the Florida heat, uh, but they were they were ill-prepared uh, from a condition, conditioning standpoint in the second half. And uh, true freshman quarterback for Boise State, Hank Bachenmeyer, uh, he led the charge back. And this is a guy, you, you might think, oh, Hank, you know, that's a real good, uh, you know, blue-collar, tough guy name. His three brothers, he, he's kind of like the soft one of the group, three brothers names Buck, Bear, and Tiger. So I would watch out for this entire family on the college football landscape in coming years. Uh, impressive comeback win for Boise there. Uh, interesting stat that I picked up from Chris Vanini at The Athletic, who always posts uh, a number of interesting college football stats each week. Over the last 15 years, Florida State is now 80 and two when leading by 18 points. Uh, those two losses have both come under Willie Taggart in the last 13 games, uh, or even less than that, but he's only been coaching the team for 13 games with this one against Boise State and last year's uh, blown lead against Miami. So certainly uh, not a stat that bodes well for Willie Taggart's potential future with the Seminoles. The last, uh, last blown lead that involved big unanswered points, North Carolina beat South Carolina 24-20, to scoring 15 unanswered points. Um, you know, this looked like both teams were pretty inept in this one. Uh, one thing that was really wild in this one, obviously a big deal, it was Mac Brown's return to coaching for North Carolina. And... They were running out the clock, North Carolina was, up by four at about their own 40-yard line. And on, like, fourth and, I don't know, seven, they took a knee with, like, eight seconds left. It was, I, I don't want to be overly mean, but it was like a senior moment from Mac Brown, who was clearly instructing the team to take a knee, and, and gave South Carolina a shot uh, a shot to win it at the end, but uh, certainly the offense was not able to come through with a score on one final play. But just absolutely a little, a little rust still on Mac Brown, despite the one and zero start. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it's a, a harbinger of of any good. Uh, I don't know. Can a harbinger is a harbinger only negative? I was gonna say I don't think it's a harbinger of good things to come, but maybe harbingers can only be negative. Um, I'm not positive on that one. I'll have to look it up. Um, in terms of other action from throughout the weekend, uh, I'll go back to Friday night briefly here. I just wanted to highlight Wisconsin. Uh, they beat South Florida 49 to nothing. Jonathan Taylor, uh, 183 total yards and four touchdowns. Wisconsin looked really good. Obviously, the offensive line is always good. We know Jonathan Taylor is a Heisman candidate. The defense looked fast, looked looked really talented. 
The interesting thing here, so Jack Cohn won that quarterback job and looked completely serviceable uh, in that game. But I think if Wisconsin wants to make the leap and, and contend for more than just a Big Ten West title, uh, they've got a five-star freshman quarterback there, Graham Mertz. I think he's going to have to see some action, and maybe he he provides the higher ceiling for this Wisconsin team. I uh, was surprised that he didn't get into any action uh, in the second half of this game. Um, but I just, interesting note there, I, I think Wisconsin uh, is is good enough that they should be taking a chance on Graham Mertz now and, and seeing where he can take them. Uh, at the same time that game was going on, Wake Forest beat Utah State 38-35 to in a game that I told you was going to be exciting. Jamie Newman was dueling with Jordan Love. Uh, both quarterbacks were, were going back and forth. This was a game that featured each team alternating scores, uh, 11 scores. So it went Wake, Utah State, Wake, Utah State. Wake just adding an extra field goal um, in, in addition to their five touchdowns. And that was the difference in the game. So a really entertaining game where there were 11 scores. Neither team ever had consecutive scores. Um, I mentioned the two uh, the two great quarterbacks in that game. More significant quarterback news. USC beat Fresno State 31-23, but lost quarterback JT Daniels in the first half of that one. He was off to a really good start. Uh... Kedden Slovis is going to take over. He's a freshman that they like. Uh, he's been impressive through camp. He he actually, the fact that he was able to win the backup job was surprising to many people. But I still think this probably limits what Graham Harrell is going to be able to do with that offense. Uh, I expect it, as I, as I mentioned, I gave JT Daniels as a potential uh, dark horse Heisman candidate with the numbers that he was going to be able to put up with that receiving core. And now I think there is... Uh, probably real concern for USC turning to the freshman quarterback. The best quarterback performance of all on the weekend probably belongs to Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. It's Lincoln Riley is now this will, you know, he's working on his third quarterback in three years. The first two, obviously, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray both won the Heisman. Everyone was kind of wondering, can you just plug and play with anybody? Jalen Hurts reminded everyone that he was a pretty good passer. I mean, his freshman year at Alabama, he was really good. He just obviously had the uh, and then and then was was good throughout his sophomore year uh, before stumbling in the national championship game. And then Tua Mania kind of took off. But we all just sort of I think forgot that Jalen Hurts was a really good player. I certainly did. I I, I in my head I even might have started to almost you know, just mesh him together with like Blake Sims, who was there a few years earlier and who was more of a runner than a thrower. So that was just uh, an error on my part because he certainly on Sunday night uh, reminded me and I think all college football fans of how talented he is. Uh, he threw or it, he he put together uh, running and passing combined 508 yards and six touchdowns. Again, this is against a weak Houston defense, but Plenty of teams played against bad defenses, and no one put up numbers like that. Uh, this Oklahoma team, they did give up 31 points to Houston, so I don't want to say that you know the defense is completely fixed, but in the first half when it mattered, they were flying to the ball. 
They looked really strong in defensive coordinator Alex Grinch's debut. Um, and I think they what, what Oklahoma did is really, by showing that they were solid on defense and showing that Jalen Hurts was really going to be uh, a force this season, I think they've solidified themselves as that fourth team after Alabama, Clemson, in my mind, Georgia should probably be number three. But I think Oklahoma is right there with Georgia uh, on that second tier uh, behind behind Clemson and Alabama and probably separated from the rest of the pack. The Ohio States, the LSUs, the Michigans, the Notre Dames, those kind of teams. I really think uh, that Oklahoma is, is in good shape there. And I think Alex Grinch as defensive coordinator is going to really raise the ceiling on what they can do this season after, you know, the last two years they've had some of the best offenses in the country, but the defense has sort of been what limited their ability to win in the college football playoff. Um, and then, you know, aside from that, that kind of hits all the really meaningful on-field stuff. Um, there are two stories from the weekend that just remind us what a great sport college football is and, and how just particularly weird it can be. Um, so Saturday morning, uh, there were some Tennessee fans and tailgaters that awoke to the smell of smoke uh, as they were sleeping on their 45-foot yacht. Uh, they fortunately were able to get off safely. They got the dog off safely. But the yacht uh, remained on fire, burned, and sunk. And if you thought that was a bad omen for the Tennessee football team, you were absolutely correct as they lost 38-30 to to a Georgia State team that went 2-10 in the Sun Belt last season. This isn't like they lost to some uh, group of five team that, that was expected to have a strong year. Um, you know, this is certainly the biggest upset of the weekend and a really bad start to year two under Jeremy Pruitt in Knoxville. So uh, I, I would... Anyone that was hoping for a big-time turnaround for the Vols in year two, I, I don't think that's likely. And, uh, and really, things are not looking good uh, in, the, in the SEC East uh, outside of Georgia at the moment. The second story, and I should preface this by saying that I absolutely hope that Hugh Freeze is healthy, and I wish him all the recovery and, and everything like that, um, but it's hard to ignore that this is humorous. Uh, and I mentioned Hugh Freeze, uh, now the coach at Liberty, probably most known for his role in the blind side, where he was Michael Orr's high school coach. Uh, he was able to beat Nick Saban in Alabama, and he allegedly enjoyed frequenting gentlemen's clubs uh, while on recruiting trips. Uh, he So he, he got fired from Ole Miss. He's now at Liberty. He had a back injury. And I think due to surgery, uh, he, he got a staph infection. And it's completely serious, apparently life-threatening uh, staph infection. And opted, instead of having you know, someone take over as an interim coach, he coached the game from his hospital bed in a press box. There's no... I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you follow college football enough that you've seen the Im images of him coaching this game from his hospital bed. If you haven't, I have to suggest that you right now just Google Hugh Freeze's hospital bed. Um, 
it's hard to describe how funny these images are, especially because in order to show him, they were mostly showing like wide shots. And it's just like, everything looks very normal. You've got a crowd, you've got fans in the stands, you've, you've got sort of, you know, the media in the press box. And then you've just got this like whole floor that essentially looks like it's been turned into a hospital wing. And you've got a coach wearing a visor, lying in a bed uh, with a headset on coaching the game. This moment at the end of the game. Syracuse, I should mention, won the game 24-0. Head coach for Syracuse, Dino Babers, walked out for the customary post-game handshake and just waved up to the sky uh, at, at Hugh Freeze, who kind of waved back down at him. It sort of reminded me of the end of Happy Gilmore, when Happy waves to Chubbs, the Alligator, and Abraham Lincoln. Um, so it really, and actually, I just, I wish I was better with, like, graphic design. I would have tweeted that in the moment. Maybe I will go back after this podcast and, uh, and do that. We'll see. Um, but it was just hilarious. He then, he did his post-game press conference from the hospital bed via, like, Skype. And he, you know how these endorsement deals work. He had to hold a bottle of Diet Coke while doing this press conference, lying in a hospital bed, holding, or I, I said Diet Coke. He had to hold some, I don't know, some kind of Coke. He, it's just, it's just, it's a funny story. I hope he gets healthy. Hugh Freeze, get well soon. But in the meantime, boy, is this a funny story. That's pretty much it from, uh, from week one. Uh, I suppose now is as good a time as any to tell you that if you're looking to go to a college football game or just visit someone in a college town, or really go anywhere for any reason. Check out rentlikeachampion.com if you want to rent a house. Uh, I'm currently uh, in the process of renting a house for the Notre Dame-USC game, and this is not this is not like copy. I haven't been given a script. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I have been working with uh, with the customer service people there to just make sure I know exactly uh, you know where these houses are and what exactly what I'm getting, and they're just so incredibly helpful and responsive. Uh, it's been fantastic. If you go there, use promo code SCOOP, and uh, you might get $25 off. That's rentlikeachampion.com. All right, uh, moving on to week two. And as I'm looking at the clock here, I'm, I'm moving right along on this podcast. I guess when I don't have a guest, I can keep this thing quick. And uh, and yeah, if you were if you were looking for a longer show, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't know. We'll, we'll keep this one inside like 35 minutes here. Um, I would say that there are five games really worth uh, keeping an eye on uh, throughout week two, and I, they're really they're nicely spread out throughout the day, so could be a pretty uh, pretty good game watching experience on Saturday. Uh, the biggest game of the day, I would say, were the two biggest games. Uh, first one at three thirty, Texas A&M goes to Clemson. Um, this is. By far, Clemson's hardest game of the season. Uh, that includes their eventual uh, ACC championship game. And they're still giving uh, 17 and a half points. That line may have changed since yesterday. I wrote these lines down yesterday when I actually gave out my picks on Twitter. And uh, and this is the first of my three picks. You know, Here at the Scoop and Score podcast, I try to pick some of the biggest games of the week. I'm not just finding obscure uh, you know, Mountain West games that that I'm, I'm giving you a line on. I want to give you lines and betting action on big, meaningful games that you're going to be watching anyway. Um, so I do like Texas A&M getting 17 and a half here. 
They impressed me. Uh, I, I'm 1-0 with Texas A&M. I had them against Texas State. They covered for me week one. Kellen Mond is a really talented quarterback. And I think, you know, the, the way that I could see myself losing this one, I think that's often a good way to go about making bets is think about what the scenario is that you're going to lose. You know, is 42-21 to 21 a possibility here? I would say, yeah, it is a possibility. But I kind of think that that's the biggest blowout we're going to see. And I'll take everything inside of 42-21 with the hopes that 17.5 is is enough points. I could see this certainly being more of a, like a 24, like a 38-24 type game. And then we're going to get the cover. And uh, and I do like Texas A&M coming in to Death Valley for that one. Uh, And then right after that game ends... You should uh, should be getting kicked off with LSU at Texas. Uh, I like the underdog in this one as well, except this time the underdog is at home. And Texas, at this point, you might be getting more than five. Uh, when I gave it out, Texas was getting five. You might be getting more than that now. It seems like everybody likes LSU in this game. So, I don't know. I guess it's contrarian. I just... Ed Orgeron is not necessarily known as a great big game coach. I do think Tom Herman typically steps up in some of his biggest games. They're playing at home. It's uh, it's one of the biggest games at Texas in, in quite a while. And although Joe Burrow uh, certainly looked good uh, in, in week one of a new offensive system, I'll just take Sam Ellinger in that duel of two quarterbacks. I don't know. I just like the spot. I like uh, the big home game atmosphere. And I think the home field advantage actually carries Texas to an outright win in a very close game. But either way, I expect this to be close. Five seems like too many, uh, and I'll ride with the Longhorns in that one. Uh, Just quickly, I'll give you my third pick uh, before I get into the three other games I think you should watch, because to be clear, I don't think you should watch this game. But I like Miami uh, giving six points going to North Carolina. Uh, I mentioned that North Carolina... Uh, winning their game against South Carolina didn't exactly look good doing it. Uh, but I think a lot of people uh, are giving them a bump just for starting 1-0 and, oh, maybe Mac Brown is, is bringing them back and the Magic's back for North Carolina. I don't think that's the case at all. Miami, keep in mind, had an extra week off to prepare for this after playing in Week 0. Uh, I think they looked pretty decent against a Florida team that, uh, that sacked their quarterback 10 times. You're not going to see that kind of pass rush from North Carolina. I think Miami could easily win this game by like three scores. Uh, I don't think the six points is ever going to be in doubt after the first half. So go ahead and ride the Hurricanes at North Carolina, lay the six points. Um, the other three games that I think uh, that I think are worth watching, we got one at noon, one at 3.30, and one at 10.30 Eastern time. At noon, right off the bat, you got Cincinnati going to Ohio State. Luke Fickle, of course, used to be a coach at Ohio State. He was even the uh, the interim coach uh, the year that Jim Tressel was fired and Urban Meyer had not arrived yet. Cincinnati's pretty good. Ohio State, uh, Justin Fields had a great debut, but we don't know exactly how good they are yet as they, you know, they pounded up on, on FAU at home, who's certainly not expected to be great this season. So Cincinnati could certainly... Uh, give Ohio State a game, obviously kind of the in-state rivalry uh, there. So 
a lot of the, I, I expect Cincinnati to be fired up for that one more so probably than Ohio State. This is a game where Cincinnati could play up while Ohio State could play down, and that game could be uh, could be close and certainly worth watching at noon. Uh, then at three thirty, Nebraska goes to Colorado in a in a clash of former Big Twelve rivals. Neither one in the Big Twelve anymore, with Colorado in the Pac twelve and Nebraska in the Big Ten. But Nebraska certainly, and, and Adrian Martinez in particular, did not look impressive uh, in their first game of the season. I think South Alabama is who they played off the top of my head. Um, really did not look good. I maybe need to pump the brakes a bit on my uh, Scott Frost is going to get things turned around and, and Nebraska is going to win the Big Ten Championship this year. Although I'm not jumping off the bandwagon yet, I'm just, I'm just enjoying that I've got a little more leg room. Uh, at this point, but they have to go to Colorado. Steven Montez is still the quarterback at Colorado. I don't know how that's possible. I know it's so cliche to say, oh, that guy's been in college for like six years. It really feels that way with Steven Montez. Um, so I'm I'm going ahead and using the cliche because that guy has been in our lives for a very long time. Should be a bit of a shootout. Both of these are, are supposed to be pretty high-powered offenses, and uh, I expect that to be uh, although maybe not so meaningful on the national landscape, uh, an entertaining game to watch. And then at 10.30, we've got Stanford going to USC. I already mentioned JT Daniels, not expected, uh, well, not not expected, not going to play in that game as he's out for the rest of the year. KJ Costello, uh, quarterback for Stanford, he's still questionable at this time. Uh, you could, could have new news by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but he was knocked out of the game against Northwestern, taking a forearm to the head uh, and and suffered a concussion there. So unclear if he's going to play in that one. Um, but still, an important test for both teams right off the bat. Uh, we'll see if Kevin Slovis is able to uh, keep the high-powered offense going now that he'll have a full week of practice uh, with the starters to prepare. And we'll see. Stanford really looked anemic. Uh, in their game. I know they, they won against Northwestern in what was one of the most boring games I've ever seen. Um, but Stanford, who who I said I didn't expect to have a very good year this year, they validated all my opinions about them in their in their opening week win. Uh, I I think that even even in the case where KJ Costello does play and uh, and USC has to has to break in their new starter against the proven veteran, I still think USC wins this one uh, at home with all the playmakers they have. I just think they're going to be able to outscore Stanford, who I think they're going to struggle to, to break like 20 points in most games they play this year. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's about it uh, for the upcoming week. Um, I hope everyone enjoys week two. Uh, I hope everyone enjoys the start of NFL. You know, this is a college football podcast, but it's uh, we're, we're all about focusing on all sports and, and really anything that uh, that you might enjoy. So have a great have a great beginning to your fall now that we're post Labor Day. Uh, enjoy your weekend and enjoy college football. I'll talk to you next week. That concludes the Scoop and School podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.